Peace to you. Welcome to The Naked Truth and thank you for joining me. We are going to pick up where we left off in the book of First Kings chapter 13. If you want to read along with me, let's begin. Verse 1. And behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. So now it's referring to a man of God, basically a prophet, someone in touch with the divine, has gone to go visit Jeroboam the leader now of the chosen king for the other 10 tribes of the uh, collective tribes of Israel, whereas the two are remaining faithful to Rehoboam, the David's descendant in Jerusalem. Verse two, then he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, behold, a child Josiah by name shall be born to the house of David among you. He shall sacrifice the priests of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you. So now the man of God is giving a prophecy. He seems to be induced to give the prophecy. He's gone and showed up at the place of worship um, of Jeroboam, but it's not the place of worship of the same Lord Jehovah um, that the people had been worshiping um, previous to now. It's the place where they've gone and set up a place of worship for the two golden cows that have been set up for the ten tribes. And he's gone up to that place of worship and declared that the altar that they're making the sacrifices on is going to be the same place where they're going to end up making sacrifices of the priests of that new religion that they formed. Verse 3, and he gave a sign the same day saying, this is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. So he's saying the supernatural sign that they can look for to know that the prophecies he's giving is true is that the altar that they're using to make their animal sacrifices on for those cows is going to be split in part and the ashes from the sacrifices are going to be poured out. Verse 4, so it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel, and he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then his hand, which he stretched out toward him, withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. So the king thought he was going to flex his human authority on the prophet who declared uh, the, the prophecy that was going to happen to that altar and to the priest of the religion that he'd formed. He stretched out his hand against that prophet and just like that, his hand became deformed. Um, something like arthritis or uh, even deformity where he couldn't draw his hand back anymore. So a supernatural event took place in him doing that. Um, verse 5, the altar also was split apart and the ashes poured out from the altar according to the sign which the man of God had given by the word of the Lord. So just like that, the prophecy that um, the man of God, as he's called, gave has come true. The altar has been split in half, the ashes have been poured out, and on top of it all, the new king, his hand is withered, his arm is withered, so much so to the point that he couldn't even draw, draw it back to himself again. Verse 6, then the king answered and said to the man of God, please entreat the favor of the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored to me. So the man of God entreated the Lord and the king's hand was restored to him and became as before. So just like that, another supernatural event, a miracle happened. The withered hand has now been restored just like that 
at the request of the man at the request of the king to after he petitioned the man of God, the prophet who showed up there and gave the prophecy. He's giving this prophecy because the people have fallen into idolatry, presumably, because they're not worshiping the same Lord that um, is accredited previously with uh, rescuing them from enslavement. They're worshiping cows, golden cows, statues of baby cows. That's what's being worshiped in that place. Um, verse seven, then the king said to the man of God, come home with me and refresh yourself and I will give you a reward. So the king is happy now. His arm isn't withered anymore. His hand isn't withered. So he's telling the man of God, the prophet who showed up with the prophecy to join him um, at his place and he'll give him a reward, presumably for restoring his hand. Verse eight, but the man of God said to the king, if you were to give me half your house, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread nor drink water in this place. So the prophet is sounding a little self-righteous, a little sanctimonious uh, in the fact that he's not willing to break bread with the king who he just helped out. He's saying he's not even gonna bother with eating anything in that place, meaning in Bethel, the place where the whole nation, those 10 tribes are now worshiping another God, a different entity, the cows. Verse nine, for so it was commanded me by the word of the Lord saying, you shall not eat bread nor drink water nor return by the same way you came. So the prophet is now sharing the prophecy, the command given to him when he was given the prophecy. Maybe that's where he went wrong. He's telling the king that he was told, um, presumably uh, told um, his message from the Lord was that he is to deliver the prophecy to the king and to the people. But the part for him to be obedient to is to not eat or drink anything there in the city, in the area where he's going to go make that prophecy. Verse 10, so he went another way and did not return by the way he came to Bethel. So he's being faithful to what he was told to do. He didn't eat any bread, drink any water, and didn't take the same path back to where he came from. Verse 11, that's the prophet. Verse 11, now an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. They also told their father the words which he had spoken to the king. So now there's another prophet, another person who's in touch with the divine, who's getting the message um, from his sons that, hey, another prophet showed up and he declared this, that, and the other. And it happened right then. The, the altar was split, ashes were poured out, and the king's hand withered. So they're delivering the report back to another prophet, an older prophet. Verse 12, and their father said to them, which way did he go? For his sons had seen which way the man of God went who came from Judah. So now the older prophet is asking his sons, which way did that prophet who um, declared that before the king, which way did he go when he left? Verse 13, then he said to his sons, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him and he rode on it. So now he's um, in hot pursuit, presumably, of the younger prophet who delivered the message that came to pass. Now the older prophet is on a donkey going after him um, for what? Let's see, verse 14. And went after the man of God and found him sitting under an oak. Then he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. So now the older man of God, the older prophet has caught up with the younger prophet um, where he's chilling, it seems, under an oak tree. 
And he's asking him, is he that same one who came from Judah? That's the one tribe that's still faithful to the uh, lineage of David and Solomon. Judah and Benjamin are those tribes um, now called Judah, the kingdom of Judah. The other 10 tribes are now called Israel, and they're faithful to Rehoboam and his kingdom with the golden cows. So now he's called up to him, ask him, is he that one? He said, yes, he is. Verse 15, then he said to him, come home with me and eat bread. So now the older prophet, it seems is he is inviting the younger prophet to go home with him, return with him, and eat bread with him. Verse 16, he said, I cannot return with you nor go in with you. Neither can I eat bread nor drink water with you in this place. So now the younger prophet is letting the older prophet know that um, he has limitations to what it is he can do, including the eating and drinking in that area and the returning uh, to where he was. He's passing on the message to the older prophet. Verse 17, for I have been told by the word of the Lord, you shall not eat bread nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. So the same message that he gave when he was invited to stay by Rehoboam, I'm sorry, Jeroboam, now he's giving that same message to the older prophet who met him on the donkey under the oak tree. Verse 18, he said to him, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you to your house that he may eat bread and drink water. He was lying to him. So just like in modern times, you see Bible thumping preachers, especially these televangelists, but not just them, all sorts of people who call themselves people of God, call themselves Christians, call themselves righteous, doing everything but being righteous to what it is, especially in Christianity, the things Jesus actually said. You see them misleading people with lies all the time. Now you see the same thing was happening by then. The older prophet, who should know better, has now decided that, okay, well, the younger prophet says he got a prophecy telling him not to eat bread, drink water, or stay in that place. So I'm going to just tell him, I saw a prophet, I saw, got a message too. An angel came to me and gave me a message too. But like the narrator is letting us know, he's lying. The prophet, the man of God, is lying to another man of God, um, enticing him to um, disobey the message he was already given directly from God. Verse 19, and I'm saying God because it's how it reads, not because I believe it's God Almighty, just because it's how it reads. But we've been over that again and again, if you've read with me before. Verse 19, so he went back with him and, he, and ate bread in his house and drank water. So now one religious person has enticed another religious person to break the commandment that he was given directly from God for some food, for some bread and some water. Just like Proverbs says, um, it slips my mind exactly what it says, but in paraphrasing, um, oh, I'm not even, something like a man will send for a crust of bread and a drink of water, something like that. Maybe it'll come to me, but um, letting us know no matter how rich someone is, no matter how well off someone is, even that person will send for something to eat. Um, but that's what's happening now, whether it's because he's hungry or just because he's been lied to and enticed to do it. Now he's being disobedient to the prophecy he was given for himself. He delivered the prophecy he was given for the people, but now he's being unfaithful to the prophecy he was given for himself, not to eat bread or drink anything there. 
Now he's done it because another person told him to. Because the other person said, oh, God told me this. An angel of the Lord told me this. So you can trust it. So he believed it. Now he's um, sinned against the prophecy he was given to be faithful to. Verse 20. Now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. So now um, he's sitting at the table eating with the prophet who enticed him to break the commandment he was given. Now as he's sitting in, at meat with him, sitting there to eat, now another prophecy, another message has been given to the prophecy who enticed, to the prophet, the older prophet who enticed him to return. Verse 21, and he cried out to the man of God who came from Judah saying, thus says the Lord, because you've disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God commanded you. So now it seems the older prophet is being induced. He's being, I guess for lack of a better word, possessed by um, the power of God, a spirit of the Lord, at least that's the way it reads, to give this message, to get his prophecy, um, uh, to speak these words. And he's been given the words to tell the younger prophet that was going on about his business, being faithful to what it is he was told to do, but now been enticed to return and break the, the orders he was given. Now he's been given the words to give to that prophet that, okay, well, since you weren't faithful to me and disobeyed what I told you to do, now I have a message for you. In verse 22. But you came back, ate bread, and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, Eat no bread and drink no water. Your corpse shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. So now because of his unfaithfulness, which he was enticed to be unfaithful in from the other prophet, is going to cost him his life. And he's letting the prophecy that he's been given is letting him know it's going to cost him his life. And not only that, he's not even going to get to be buried with his kinfolk with his family with his fathers instead his body's not going to make it that far his corpse his dead body is not even going to make it to their tombs verse 23 so it was after he'd eaten bread and after he had drunk that he saddled the donkey for him the prophet whom he brought back isn't that some messed up ish he's enticed him back from following being faithful to the um commandment he was given um, and fed him and now he's gone out to saddle his donkey and sent him on his way. Dirty. Verse 24, when he was gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his corpse was thrown on the road. And the donkey stood by it. The lion also stood by the corpse. So now another supernatural intervention. The younger prophet who broke the command that he was given to do in not eating and drinking there, ate and drank there. And now he's paid for it with his life. He's been attacked by a wild animal. A lion has torn him in pieces. And now you know it's supernatural because instead of the lion also attacking the donkey and eating it, they're both just standing around watching. Standing there as witnesses, presumably for anyone who comes by to know that uh, this is from God. Verse 25, and there, and, the, and there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road and the lion standing by the corpse. Then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. So now the lion's standing by, so they don't have any question about what happened. They don't know. They don't have to wonder, well, maybe he got mugged. No, the lion tore him apart. And the lion's standing there, let them know, yeah, I did it. And the donkey also still standing there, so they know that um, it must be something supernatural because, again, the lion wouldn't stop at just one. The lion would tear one up, eat it, and then also tear up the donkey and eat it too if it wanted to. 
It wouldn't just stand over the dead bodies that it had just killed. So now the report has gone back to where the old prophet dwelt, the one who enticed him to um, not be faithful to what it is he'd been commanded to do. Verse 26, now when the prophet who had brought him back from the way heard it, he said, it is the man of God who is disobedient to the word of the Lord. Therefore, the Lord has delivered him to the lion, which has torn him and killed him, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke to him. So now the old prophet is a mess. He's saying, oh, well, he's he's fulfilling prophecy. He wasn't faithful to the, to the Lord, so now he's paid for. The lion's taking his life. Uh, he's not mentioning he's the one who lied to him and caused him to fall into that trap. Um, but he is. The older prophet is the one who caused that to happen, uh, or at least spurned it on. I guess ultimately the younger prophet should have still known to be faithful to the order he was given. Uh, but he was enticed. He was lied to. He believed the lie. Maybe that's the message to all of us that it's uh, we know right and wrong. But if you choose to get enticed by a lie, if you choose to believe a lie, it's a choice and it comes with a price. Just like with the red letters, Jesus lets us know he came to give us the message from God, the words of God. In those red, red letters, that tithe, that tenth of the Bible. Um, so we have the choice. We can choose as Christians to believe what it is Jesus says, or we can choose to embrace whatever else someone else says, whoever else it may be. It's a choice. But we do know what Jesus says because it's right there. So in choosing not to do that, you probably face the same fate, for lack of a better word, um, that that younger prophet faced in choosing not to be faithful to the message he was given. Verse 27, and he spoke to his son saying, saddle the donkey for me. So they saddled it. So the older prophet who lied to him and got him, uh, led him into his death, basically, has now told his son to saddle the donkey for him again. Verse 28, then he went and found his corpse thrown on the road and the donkey and the lion standing by the corpse. The lion had not eaten the corpse nor torn the donkey. So again, the two animals have plenty of sense. They're just standing there as witnesses. They aren't fighting each other. The lion didn't tear up the donkey. The donkey didn't run for its life from the lion. Neither one of them touched the body. They're both just standing there as witnesses to the humanity to, to, to show where, where unfaithfulness will get you. Now the prophet who set it all into motion with his lie to the other prophet has now arrived on the scene, seen the two animals still there, and found the corpse of the prophet that he lied to and collected his body. Verse 29, and the prophet took up the corpse of the man of God, laid it on the donkey and brought it back. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. Well, isn't that something? He caused his death, a big hand in it, but he's gone to collect his body, bury it and mourn for him. I don't see anything about him repenting. As he said, oh, I'm uh, prayed to the Lord for telling that lie, because uh, a lie is one of the, thou shalt not lie is one of the big 10. He lied to a prophet, a man of God. He must have been from God, if you're going to consider this God, since the prophecy he gave came true immediately with the altar being split in part and the ashes uh, falling out. So he must have gotten the message from somewhere supernatural on high, if we're to believe the narrative. So, um, but you don't see the older prophet repenting. Uh, repenting of it at all, even though he's the one who had a hand in that other prophet's death. 
but he's going to collect the body and bury it. Verse 30, then he laid the corpse in his own tomb and they mourned over him saying, alas, my brother. So, <laughs> okay, he caused his death. Now he's buried him in his own tomb and mourning for him. Verse 31, as if he didn't have a hand in it. Verse 31, so it was after he buried him that he spoke to his son saying, when, when he's saying when he's dead, then bury him in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay his bones beside his bones. So if you read with me before, you understand why I'm reading it as I read it. But I guess to be faithful, let me go back. I'm going to read it again. And I'll just not verbally say the parts that I don't want to apply to me inadvertently. So forgive me. I'll read it one more time. Verse 31. So it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son saying, uh, where the man of God is buried, lay bones beside his bones. So um, now, just to make it clear, what he's saying is when it's his time to go, when he dies, he wants to be buried with the younger prophet who is who he had buried there. That's basically what he's telling his sons. When his time comes, he wants to be buried in the same place, his bones next to that prophet's bones. Verse 32 for the same which he cried out by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the shrines on the high places which are high places which are in the cities of Samaria will surely come to pass. So now the old prophet is saying he knows that the younger prophet was being faithful in his prophecies and that his prophecies will come true. So he's saying, so when they do come true, when the cities, those new those cities that are are set up as areas for worship of the cows when they're destroyed when those prophecies come true he's saying once he's once it's his time once he dies go ahead and bury him next to the younger prophet who um who he's having buried there in his own burial place because he knows that his prophecy was true and accurate and accurate and righteous verse 33 after this event jeroboam did not turn from his evil way but again he made priests from every class of people for the high places, whoever wished, he con he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. So again, not looking to the Levites uh, or their descendants to be the priests in his um, places of worship. Instead, choosing pretty much randos to be the new priests in the new places of worship where they're still worshiping the cows. So even seeing the altar split apart didn't convert him. Seeing the ashes pour out right after the prophecy was given, didn't convert him. Seeing his own hand wither uh, when he tried to um, lash out against the prophet who delivered the prophecy, didn't convert him. Seeing his hand being restored by that same prophet didn't convert him. Instead, he's still being faithful to those cows, to those golden cows, to that those new places of worship that he set up for the people to now worship in. He's still being faithful to that and still setting up priests for those new places. Verse 34, and the thing was the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to exterminate and destroy it from the face of the earth. So the narrator here is letting us know that the fact that he's um, remaining faithful to that idolatry, to remaining faithful to worshiping golden cows, statues that he set up in those different places, the high places as they're called uh, for people to go and worship, rather than going to Jerusalem to worship 
the Lord, they are one of the Lords that they had been previously faithful to. Um, instead, he's doubling down and setting up those shrines to those cows for the people to continue to worship there. Um, Hard-headed. Um, but that was the last verse in this chapter. So that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you and I hope you'll join me again. God willing, see you next time. Stay safe. I love you. Peace be with you.